Welcome to Little Bit Weebish, the podcast where two friends find out the other likes anime too, and they relive and discuss their favorite anime, episode by episode. Hi, I'm Megan Cardenas. And I'm Sam Kemp. And uh, today we are going to start off with Attack on Titan Season 1, Episode 4, The Night of the Closing Ceremony, Humanity's Comeback, Part 2. And then... (laughs) And now we'll have Megan uh, with our 30-second summary. The episode starts with the commander giving a profile on some of the top students. Here are some of my personal favorites. There's Armin, who's academically brilliant, but built like a daffodil. John, who's the head of class with ODM gear, but is an insufferable smartass. And Connie, who's agile on the switchbacks, but a few sandwiches shy of a picnic really does paint a picture. (laughs) Aaron learned some valuable lessons from Annie during a sparring lesson. Graduation is upon them, and the top ten are announced. Mikasa in first, Reiner, Bertolt, Annie, Aaron, Jean, Marco, Connie, Sasha, and Krista in tenth. These cadets can choose the regiment they want to serve. Garrison, scouts, or MPs. While at the celebration, Aaron makes a big speech about being a scout, not living a cushy life, and continuing with progress. He inspires others who are in the top ranks also to become scouts as well. While upon the wall, Sasha shares her stolen spoils, and just as things look hopeful, the colossal titan appears to create another hole in Wall Rose. Dun dun dun. <laughs> oh man, that that is like such. I mean, they jump right from um, comedic relief with Sasha, and then right, right into like, the depths of despair with another hole. In the I wall. know. <laughs> round so yeah, round two of the colossal Titan taking names, <laughs> kicking butt, yeah. and taking names. <laughs> <laughs> well, I felt like this was like the end of an era type of episode they just are finishing up um their training mm-hmm. and um so it's just very interesting that they're jumping right into the next segue of their life i feel mm-hmm. um no longer are they training but they're right into adulthood mm-hmm. um and that yes that hole in the wall really just is a dead ringer for the beginning of adulthood for them isn't that crazy? Like, oh yes, absolutely. Well, I did have the thought of how it's like with the the Titan appearing to kick the hole in the wall. That was the end of their childhood, but then him coming back to kick another hole is like the beginning of the rest of their life of just yeah. dealing with this problem. Ooh, I just I liked how you said that because it made me have that thought. <laughs> it's the beginning of the rest of our lives yeah Yeah, not not the end of childhood I feel like yeah what and I probably worded that incorrectly because we had talked about their childhood ending with the first with the first kick so I'm glad that you clarified that next we will be moving on to our themes that we thought about for this episode and the first one that I could think of was that everybody had something to prove in this Mm -hmm. freaking episode I feel like (laughs) everybody was just having a 
pissing contest all over the episode. <laughs> I know a lot of something to prove and a lot of posturing. That's exactly oh. what I got to. Yeah, for sure. So um, one of the first ones that I thought of was um, Jean or Jean? Jean? I think Jean. Uh, Jean? Okay. We're going more French. Um, <laughs> feels that he has something to prove to everyone when he picks a fight with Aaron at the mess hall. Um, like their their celebration that they're having um, over being an interior or wanting to be an interior cadet or an MP. Um, Jean just kind of says like, there's nothing wrong with wanting safety and nothing wrong with wanting uh, a softer life. I don't, I don't protection. I'm, I'm trying to think of other words that he, that he actually used. Um, well, also, you know, he believes that Aaron could be like this suicidal maniac where he's just yeah. like, I'll, I'll cheer you on from the King's barracks, you know, but I'm going to be over here and you're going to be over there. Yeah. And it's, it's just interesting how like he uses those, those types of words, like you're just crazy for wanting to go into the scouts. And so I feel like a lot of people do this when they have something to prove. They make sure that they can put down the other person's point by just kind of having this really quick, deep jab to make their side look better. And I feel like Aaron, you know, pops in one right back and just says like, <laughs> yeah, you are one of the top 10. Why wouldn't you want to be in the group that tries to advance our civilization? Like why they they need us. They absolutely need us. And so I feel like there's this push back and forth between the two of them of just like, I'm the leader. No, I'm the leader. I'm right. I'm right. I don't know. Oh my gosh, um, totally. They're always going at it, Jean and Aaron. Oh. Always. um but uh another um i probably my absolute favorite part of the episode was when they were doing um their knife work and their hand-to-hand combat uh throughout the episode um and we kind of narrow in on reiner aaron and annie um and so reiner and aaron are kind of like going back and forth and um reiner says like some uh somebody's got to teach that girl something um, when in, in reference to Annie and uh, he brings Annie over and then he says you should fight Aaron and I'm like oh my gosh Reiner just just fight Annie yourself like why do you have to have you, you're the one that's posturing here saying like we need to teach her a lesson and then you force Aaron to do it for you totally and Aaron's just like looking at her like I don't want to be on her bad side <laughs> yeah, I don't want to like, fight her yeah. and um you know, I don't know what the deal with Reiner was in that moment, but Annie put both Aaron and Reiner in their places with that. Yeah. She wasn't she wasn't gonna just, you know, let them slide. Yeah, no, not at all. And I think that that's the interesting part is that why I guess this is a feminist point of view that's coming out in my brain, but why the girl? Like, why the girl? I don't know. That's a really good question. Um, well, the commander did say she doesn't play nice with others. So maybe just 
because of that, but also because she really like makes it a point to not get along with the others. It just makes her more yeah. of a target. Um, she's not really a team player, which you can see that Aaron and Rhina have clearly bonded, you know, from, oh, sure, yeah. from the beginning when, you know, Rhina agreed to help Aaron with the ODM gear. Um, and now they have some sort of rapport, but Annie, I'm, I'm not too confident that she's, you know, here to make friends, you know, to quote a common line in The Bachelor. Um, definitely <laughs> not here to make friends. And she thinks that a lot of them are idiots. And, you know, when you kind of have that attitude, maybe it's not so much of her being a girl, but it's because she is not a team player. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. No, I, I think that that's a, that is a really great point. Um, and I think that it's interesting that after this kind of confrontation that they have, they have a really good speech that goes back and forth. And I would be crazy to try to summarize that because I feel like you just need to, to rewatch it if you really want to pay attention. Um, but it really strikes a chord with Aaron and he realizes that like she has a point and he ends up utilizing her same fighting techniques later on um, in the mess hall again um in a fight and I thought that that was very interesting because because I feel like Aaron is somebody who just doesn't quite um learn or wants some somebody else's advice like he doesn't take other people's advice very well and I was really happy and very surprised that he took Annie's and utilized it oh totally well I think that for Aaron it definitely applies to where the lesson is coming from I feel like he's more selective maybe to a degree he actually respects Annie um and that's why he can see that she's clearly the more superior fighter um but if it comes from people like Jean well he's gonna just talk smack I think it depends on where it's coming from <laughs> yeah. basically anybody but Jean <laughs> yeah um, okay, and so I guess that kind of ties into my other theme that we can cover really quick, but um, along with something to prove, I, I think that there's a theme of power here, and power where you place it. Um, with something to prove, um, Aaron, Aaron makes a point of telling everybody about the scouts and how they're just not suicidal people, that they're actually making a difference. And you can kind of tell that within um, the first part of the episode where you're seeing the scouts coming in um, and being applauded, being people being excited about them coming in. And that change is very different from, I think, I can't remember if it's the first episode or the second episode where they show the scouts coming in again from an excursion that they had. Yes. And so right Aaron the beginning. Is, yeah. And so Aaron is trying to show people that there is power in being a scout. There is power um, in the life that you can live. And he he's just pretty much saying, like, think about it. You can go to the MPs if you want to, but think about it. Think about the, the life-changing effects that your abilities can have on the scouts. Um, they all have strengths and intelligence, so why waste it on the MPs? Uh, exactly. Their power could be in the scouts if they choose to make it powerful. Like they have to make mm -hmm. the choice to make the scouts powerful. 
Exactly. It because really, what is the point of gaining all this power, all this, and by power I mean skill, knowledge, abilities that are superior to others? What's the point of gaining all that and to work so hard for it only if it is meant to be used for you and your gain and not in the way it's really intended? You know, safety and security is, again, kind of a reward that's familiar to them. And so maybe that's the incentive to, like, get really, really good. But that's not the purpose at all. The purpose is to, uh, you know, actually use that to help for the betterment of society. And Aaron totally calls it out, just how silly and stupid that is. Yeah, he's like, this isn't just a a test to pass to see if you live in comfort. This is a let's hone your abilities and put you in a place that you are valuable, that you will make a difference. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Way to go, Aaron. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so we're, we're still like vibing on this high note. So what did we like about the episode? Um. Let's see. There were a couple of things that I liked. I really liked Aaron's speech in the pub Mm -hmm. or I keep calling it different things like the mess hall, the pub. You know what I'm trying to say? The area Um, where they convene and eat and that. (laughs) Yes. Um, It just really helps give meaning to the scouts and puts things into perspective for other people. And I feel like that was a really big turning point for a lot of people. Um, And then I loved seeing the different perspectives of people when they decided to become a scout mm-hmm. so like connie and sasha um Armin I know. I, well. and mikasa too but mikasa's less surprising because where aaron goes she'll go but she'll yeah go, just yeah. by his speech alone he got at least four to five people to change their minds you know it, like in less than you know 24 hours or whatever so mm-hmm. they went from impactful. yeah they went from absolutely not to changing and deciding to do the bold scary choice <laughs> and join yeah. the scouts um for me my favorite is just sasha sasha in general because <laughs> <laughs> like from the moment when mikasa says that sasha farted because they were (laughs) (laughs) from Jean and Aaron I thought that was hysterical and of course everyone knew that that was not true but Sasha like nearly dying of embarrassment is just (laughs) hilarious and then all the way to like her love of food and stealing meat from the pantry even though it's like that's a big deal if you do you probably shouldn't I mean Again, motivated by really good food. A girl after my own heart. But then, like, the total badassery of this moment when the Colossal Titan does come, the wind alone knocks them all off the wall. And one of the guys, um, I'm sure they mentioned his name, but I can't remember. And to me, he shall be remained named Nameless. Nameless. He shall be renamed name wait. <laughs> he shall remain nameless. Oh my gosh, I can speak words. But um 
like his clamp in his ODM gear like breaks free from the wall. So he is now free falling and Sasha takes her her, her anchors off the wall and then just like runs down the wall charging after him and like sends one of her hook things through the guy's leg and then one to the wall and she totally saves him like complete yeah. badassery move for someone who you know is a fresh it's graduate of- <laughs> exactly well, I didn't think about that a fresh graduate somebody who has absolutely no experience in these types of things and all of a sudden she's saving somebody and running down a wall by herself and shooting something through somebody's leg and is thinking it doesn't matter as long as I save him like he can be crippled for the rest of his life but as long as I save him exactly so the fact that she could do that is amazing I mean I love Sasha she's one of my top characters in this so she is pretty fun but Last but not least, because this is the first thing that you experienced in the episode, I absolutely loved the commander's uh, commentary on the profiles of each of the people. Yes! Oh, they were so good and spot on. So spot on. It is just, it was just so funny. I, I absolutely loved it. I think that there's a lot of comparison on how the regiments were trained in the past versus the present that we're seeing. Um, there, there's, there are a lot of comments that are saying that they're better prepared, um, and that they're really trying to weed out the weak with, uh, the new, the new cadets that are coming in and they really show that they're prepared about the moat or like the different, I guess it's not a moat because there's no water in it, but they have like these big deep trenches in front of the wall, uh, the wall gate. Um, and then they had cannons, they had people, um, Manning those cannons, like actively on top of the wall, looking for Titans, not just, you know, standing there at the gate drunk. (laughs) (laughs) And I feel like um, they, they brought in Hannes to kind of contrast that, that new training just to show, um, you know, even though he is doing better now and Aaron points that out, like, Oh, you're sober kind of thing and that he's advanced in the ranks um showing that he had some more ambition than what he did before um you still see that old versus new comparison between him and aaron or him aaron mikasa Mm -hmm. and um armin totally Um, redemption for hannes (laughs) (laughs) I i love that moment too because i mean it really shows that you can recover from your absolute worst day one. Um, And I can say, I feel like Hannes would say that that was his worst day because when he does see Aaron, he acknowledges that his mom's death still haunts him. Mm. And you can see that he took that moment to really shape up. And I also Mm. thought Aaron grew up too, because he no longer held blame for Hannes. Um, for his mom's death so both had allowed that horrible moment to fuel them and push them to better themselves and you can tell that they are way ahead of where they would have been for this next round of titans so yeah no i i think that's a 
a really good point that in also seeing Hannes that we see that Aaron has grown up a little bit. It's it's almost kind of like Hannes is also Aaron's childhood kind of coming back just a little bit like his his past is kind of coming in because Hannes was a very big part, at least in the end of uh, Aaron's childhood for real. So I think that it's almost kind of like Aaron coming to terms. And I think that you, you saying that like, he no longer holds Hannes um, responsible for the, the death really shows that Aaron has grown up in the past I think it's like four or five years. So. Mm-hmm. Oh, what a beautiful yeah. moment. Even more beautiful than what was on the surface. I love yeah. that. <laughs> well, okay. It sounds like uh, we're wrapping up episode four. I think we're going to move on to episode five. We sure are. All right, episode five, First Battle, The Struggle for Trust, part one. And there are a lot of parts to this single story, just FYI. But first, let's have our 30-second summary. The Colossal Titan breaks through the wall and decimates all the prepared cannons. It is at that point that Aaron realizes the Colossal Titan has the ability for strategy. There is chaos within the wall, Rose, but there seems to be procedures in place to evacuate. A lot better than five years ago. Mikasa is sent to help evacuate, while Armin and Aaron are sent to the front lines. Aaron gets his arm bitten off while trying to save one of the other cadets. Armin is frozen with fear and is then swallowed by the bearded titan. Aaron throws himself down the bearded titan's throat to save Armin and is then truly eaten in the process. Mikasa seems to feel the events happening, even though she is very far away. Awesome. And Sammy, I just have to say... I know you mentioned Bearded Titan, but for me, I call it the Santa or Santa Claus Titan. <laughs> Sorry if that ruins things for people, but to me, he does look like Santa Claus. In, he does. You know, and he is a less creepy looking Titan. So, I mean, no shade to Santa Claus. Um, but yeah, that's just what I see him as. Um, but okay, let's hop right into themes. So... We see that Aaron charges at the Colossal Titan right in the beginning to take down the Colossal Titan, this over 50 meter Titan from five years ago. And he swings and he misses. The Titan just vanishes. And you can tell that Aaron is upset with himself, despite the fact that he learned a lot just by him going and doing so we found out that the titan had intelligence that um the titan's unique defense was this hot steam that could you know blow you away and connie tells aaron to wallow on his own time (laughs) gotta love connie Uh, (laughs) which makes me think how often do we come fresh out the gate of something and expect to knock it out of the park. And then we get disappointed in ourselves, even though we're beginners. You know, that's what it made me feel. Oh, yeah. That moment. I mean, literally all the time. <laughs> right? I'm, like, I'm going to crochet this blanket and it's going to look 
absolutely amazing Mm -hmm. and then I have like wonky corners and you can tell that I've definitely added some stitches along the line and so it just kind of keeps going in like this funnel shape instead of a nice square (laughs) (laughs) oh that's hilarious well for me also it just makes me think also well like you said of literally every single moment where I thought I would knock it out of the park you know like anytime you try to learn sports anytime you try to do a podcast yeah do a podcast exactly (laughs) um you expect to nail it out of the park just you know and sometimes you don't and then you're like what the heck why couldn't I do that and um sometimes it's really hard to you know then see okay, I didn't do as great as I thought, but here's what I did learn in the process. And that can be just as valuable as quote unquote failing when you're a beginner, you know? Yeah. I mean, like you said, Aaron learns, even though he misses the Titan completely, he learns in those first few moments of being with a colossal Titan that he, that this Titan actually has a strategy. Mm-hmm. Like he's not just coming in to tear apart human bodies. He has something going on in his brain. He has kicked open mm-hmm. the wall. Um, the One of the first things that he does is swipe at the top of the wall and takes out all the cannons. Like, yep. No other Titan has shown that type of forethought. Exactly. So, yes. Even though Aaron didn't do great at what he set out to do he still like you said learned something from it so I think that that's really important exactly so I think that maybe instead of us trying to be experts right out the gate we should instead take the approach of not wallowing in the moment necessarily uh like you know Connie says wallow on your own time but really taking advantage of the what did I learn in the process, um, you know, because that will be super valuable later on. Yeah. And I think that there's something to be said with realizing that you are defeated. Like, or and not necessarily defeated, but you aren't going to win. And to be able to change that strategy and say, okay, I can't, I can't win this part, but I can do my best to try to make it better than what it could be. And I think that that happens with like, okay, so we talked about Sasha last episode and yeah, that guy started falling off of the wall and she realized that that is like, oh, that's failure, I guess is what we'll, we'll say right now. But she's like, okay, pivot. I can't grab him right now, but I will shoot one of my anchors at him. And even though it will pierce his leg, at least he's not dead. So she's making it better. She's taking the information that she has had and using it to her her advantage, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Right. I think the only time you can truly fail is if you either do nothing or if you don't take time to say well what have I learned from this you know Mm -hmm. I think that's the only time you can ever truly fail even though Aaron did at the time think that he totally failed in that moment and 
you know, who knows? Maybe Sasha did too. Like, oh, I didn't mean to aim for his leg, but he's alive. <laughs> so yeah, maybe that's it. Okay. And so this next theme that I was thinking of, it's not necessarily, you know, under a specific title or anything, but maybe you can think of something, Sammy. But I found it interesting how, you know, when Mikasa's trying to stay close to Aaron in this crisis mode, you know, Aaron essentially headbutts her and says, um, you know, have some greater perspective. You need to be over here and I need to be over here and do my job. Um, you know, but then when there's this clear sign of danger with Armin and the Santa Claus Titan, uh, Aaron just springs into action and sacrifices himself in the process. And I don't know, in my mind, I think maybe the greater perspective could have been that Aaron just let Armin die, you know, because Aaron, we see he is the stronger fighter in a literal sense. And what are they doing right now? They need literal power to take down these Titans. But instead, Aaron sacrificed himself for Armin, who at this moment hasn't shown his real strength yet. Um, And I guess like for me, it can kind of boil down to the will to protect even at the point of sacrificing oneself Or not to sound corny, like a Naruto episode, but like (laughs) the power of friendship, you know? No, say to Naruto. I love Naruto, but, you know, maybe just when push comes to shove, the ties that bond you in terms of friendship, you know, maybe Aaron throws that out the window because this moment's different than what he told Mikasa. I don't know. What do you think? It's interesting because as you're talking about it, I was like, hypocrite, hypocrite, hypocrite. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but like, Aaron, why would you give Mikasa such a hard time, but then do the literal opposite when it comes to your friend Armin? Exactly. Yeah. That's why I'm conflicted. And I think that it's just a matter of sometimes, and I, okay, maybe not even sometimes. With Aaron, I feel like Aaron feels that the rules don't apply to him. They apply to everybody else, but they don't Ooh. apply to himself. <laughs> and I can um, see that. And I'm not saying that in any way that what he did for Armin was wrong at all. I, I think that no. was very noble. Mm-hmm. Um, but he doesn't allow anybody else to help him. Or he doesn't willingly allow anybody else to help him. He's like, no, you have to do your job. But when it comes, push comes to shove, he's very self-sacrificing. Exactly. Well, and he stood on this moral high ground, so to speak, with Mikasa. Like, Mm -hmm. no, you go over there and do your job. I'll go over here and do my job. Aaron's job was to take down Titans. But it's like, buddy, if you sacrifice yourself, you can't do that anymore. So it's like exactly if you're gonna if you're gonna keep other people on the same moral high ground, you better be right there at the very tip top of that hill, you know, if you expect others yeah. to be there too. 
And I wanted to kind of go back to your point just really, really quick about you talking about how Aaron was the superior fighter. But I'm wondering if Aaron's mind that he was like, no, Armin is the superior Mm. person. And it's not necessarily in terms of fighting because I feel like Aaron is also somewhat self-deprecating in the way that he views himself like he... um, doesn't feel like he is as good as other people. And so he really tries to, to fight to be better and to make a point to show everybody that he's better. Yep. That posturing Um, that we talked about last time. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like he does do a lot of posturing and I mean, they've pointed out that Armin is a genius when it comes to strategy. And I wonder if Aaron also felt that for the greater good, we needed to keep somebody who was really great at strategy because that was how life was going to be able to continue for these people behind the wall. I really like that. And I'd like to give Aaron a little bit more credit than I initially gave him. I'm not <laughs> sure if that's true, but, but we it's do wishful thinking. <laughs> it is kind of wishful thinking, but We do know that sometimes we can view ourselves in a worser light and we can think that other people are better. So who knows? Armin might think I should have died because Aaron's clearly better. But Aaron could also think Armin is worth so much he cannot die. So who knows? Maybe it just depends on that that reasoning behind it. But I'd like to give Aaron a little bit of credit so yeah yeah a win for Aaron yeah <laughs> I decided as your dying wish Aaron we decided to give you credit exactly I mean you are now eaten and dead but it is what yeah. it is <laughs> good for you exactly <laughs> okay well let's move on to the things that we liked so for me this isn't necessarily like an oh I loved it it was so heartfelt it was more mm-hmm. like I found this part so interesting that we learn that the books that are about the outside world are illegal. And it's like, why would that be? You know, how would anyone know about the outside world to begin with? And what's the real harm in having people read books about this? Because if they left, they'd be leaving at their own risk and not the risk of those who stayed. So it's like, why is this even a problem? You know, I just found it super, that little tidbit, super interesting. And also like, why would this government, the powers that be want to hide what's out there? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? This is so interesting. Oh gosh. I know. Oh, oh. That, that part like really got to me too, as a lover of reading and probably being more like Armin than anybody else totally. um, in the trio. Um, yeah, it's just super interesting. And they actually talk uh, about the sea and they start like, okay, we think of the sea. Okay. Okay. Maybe I shouldn't say we, I think of the sea as a big waste of water because we can't drink it. Right. We talk about the percentages of water that we can drink, but in this moment, they're like, salt is so valuable and we just have seas of it outside of where we live. Like, couldn't we cultivate that? How is that in water? You know, and it's just like the things that they don't know or understand. And 
It's things like that that are in that book that are illegal. Talking about the sea and that it is a salty body of water. Like how in the world is that going to hurt anybody to to be reading that book? Exactly. I don't understand it, but oh, it's so interesting and um I don't know. I just I just don't know why this would be a problem. But apparently it Well, is. okay. So kind of to trail on that thought, I thought that a, another part that I really liked is, is as Aaron is being officially eaten, he tells Armin that he should go to the outside world. Oh, yeah. And he's he's making a point to tell that to Armin as he's dying. So I feel like there is a ton of significance between that point that you brought up about the books on the outside world that are illegal and Aaron telling Armin that he should go to the outside world. Like what, what I am trying to draw points here, points together. And I just think that's important to note for later. <laughs> yes. I don't know. Maybe it's because to Aaron going out to find this body of water, whether it's near or far is a symbol of freedom freedom from the walls you know this pen that they're in and freedom from people telling them what to do what to read that they need to stay and also freedom from the titans because it means that they can safely go and explore and live their lives that they're not in constant fear of titans so maybe for Aaron it's kind of like his wish and desire and like last push to tell Aaron he needs to hold on to get to that point where he tastes that freedom maybe yeah that's know. a really good point mm-hmm. okay but let's just bridge it to past episodes now because this also ties in simultaneously as this is happening with the book we also get that little bit of information on Aaron um Armin's parents um you know we know that Armin was being raised by his grandpa but it turns out that Armin has parents and they were going to sneak past the walls to check this out which the fact that they need to sneak also says yep that's illegal too so I think it's very interesting, but we at least know that up until this point, Armin did have parents also. So, and yeah, and that they left him behind. I think that's another thing that's worth noting. Yeah, and and I don't know if it's because of his protection or if they felt like we will make it back, like there's that hope of we will come back and we will get him or if it's like there's too much at risk oh man Ugh. either way either one they were hopeful they would return or two they kind of were willing to go on this suicide mission for the sake of knowing what's out there oh that makes me sad that makes me sad <laughs> but um but yeah, we know a smidge bit more on Armin's parents too, which I think is worth noting. Okay, so now let's move on to episode six. 
Okay, now we are going to move on to episode six, The World the Girl Saw, The Struggle for Trost, part two. And here is Megan with our 30-second summary. Connie screams at Armin to wake up. Surrounded by other cadets, the tall brunette from training, Emir, claims the real tragedy is that Aaron and the whole team are gone and that Armin was the only one left, making matters worse. Armin flies off and leaves the group, saying the world never became hell, but that it was always hell. Meanwhile, in another part of the city, a group of people were prevented from going through a tunnel to safety. A greedy, selfish merchant wouldn't let anyone pass until his wagon had gone through. A titan quickly approaches and everyone thinks hope is lost, until Mikasa flies through and cuts the titan down. Mikasa sees that the townspeople the cadets were dying for are stuck due to this merchant who she threatens to let them pass. Frightened for his own life, the merchant reluctantly moves his wagon. Mikasa flashes to her childhood in the terrifying instance when she learns to fight for her life. It was the day her parents were murdered and she was kidnapped to be sold. That was also the day that Aaron had saved her and had told her that she had to fight for her life. That was the first instance of Mikasa becoming the warrior she is now. And that's the end. And Sammy, I have to say, can you tell from my 30 second summary that I really don't like Amir and that the merchant is the (laughs) literal worst? Yeah, they're both kind of the literal worst. Yeah, the literal worst. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so for my first theme that I thought of was the fight to the end. Um, And you can give another name to the theme if you want to uh, based on what I'm saying, but um, you see multiple sacrifices between Aaron and Mikasa, um, them saving each other back and forth in the past um, with the kidnapping Aaron coming to Mikasa's rescue. And then Mikasa also helping kill the last kidnapper or the third kidnapper that was forgotten about. Um but one thing that I wanted to point out is, did you notice that Armin isn't part of that cycle? And that when it came down to it, he didn't fight. He just froze. Mm, yeah. When it comes to literal fighting, it's definitely not Armin's strength. He's He's got other strengths, but fighting is definitely not one of them. He plays really well into this theme because he does not fight to the end. Um, and I, and I think that they like to show that contrast between Armin a lot that Aaron and Mikasa fight to the end all of the time, saving each other, saving other people fighting for the scouts and what it means to be a scout. But then there's Armin and he really just doesn't seem to stand for anything. At least so far, he hasn't shown the will to live. He's just kind of moving along with his friends doing what his friends are doing does that make sense it does and i really hope that that part of armin's story changes because i mean you can clearly see the why with aaron and mikasa why they choose to fight but you can't really for armin at all at least right now Other than him doing it to, quote-unquote, 
learn about the Titans, which I don't quite buy. Part of me feels like because his grandpa passed away and we don't know what's up with his parents that he does it to stay close to Aaron and Mikasa, who are basically his family now. Um, but who knows? I do hope that changes for him. Um, for me, it uh, back to when Aaron saves Mikasa, you know, we know why Mikasa is a fighter that she is today. But it does make me wonder what made Aaron the fighter that he is because when we flash back to when they are children, we can see that Aaron is like, you know, if they're nice to me, then I'm not going to fight with them. But he's always kind of been this fighter, um, you know, and on top of that, it feels like almost instinctually uh, Aaron found this cabin with the bad guys and had the wherewithal to take them down like. I can understand a child wanting to help, but I don't think that a child without this sense of fighting and a strong sense of justice, too, with Aaron, that they would have thought to take a knife and to kill these people. Um, So it makes me wonder why he's like that, because he comes from supportive present parents and he does seem to be like better off because his father's a doctor so i'm not sure what made aaron this scrappy determined to fight kind of person well yeah i just remember watching this episode and when he starts going after these kidnappers who are full-grown men adults you know, I was just like, oh, boy, who did you wrong to, like, give you all of that fury? It's not just I want to save her, save her. It is literal fury. Just stab, 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 stab into this one guy. And I'm like, what? What happened? I know. And I don't know why or what made him like that. Um, you know, because later he does tell his dad that, you know, they were monsters disguised as humans. So they had to be taken down. Like he's got this such a strong sense of justice and right and wrong, but also this rage, like you said, and I'm like, you're so young. You come from, you know, pretty attentive, supportive parents. I'm not sure what happened to you. I don't know. Maybe we'll find out eventually, but. We know that with Mikasa, that was her first real instant of becoming the fighter that she is. But Aaron clearly has already had that at that moment. Yeah. And yeah, I guess that's that's pretty that's a pretty good point to make, Megan, because you talk about how this is like Mikasa is realizing at this point after she has been kidnapped that like this she is going to fight to the end. She found her will to live her drive to survive just in those moments. And, and she makes a comment after she kind of has these flashes within her brain of like a, a praying mantis eating another bug, her dad bringing in like a goose that he had shot, that this is how life has always been. It's been mm-hmm. survival of the fittest. 
and she is just now realizing it. And she's just now realizing that she is also part of that cycle and that she needs to fight to the end. So I really like that. I think to contrast the theme of fight to the end, there's also this theme of weakness that we see. You see the strength of the Titans and bigger strength of the guards now that they are more well-prepared. You see the strength of the wall, but then you also see the weakness of the wall with um, being able to be kicked in so easily. Um, You see the weakness of the guards, even with better training, even with all the training that they have received, the better cannons, there's still a weakness uh, because they aren't able to understand these new Titans still. Um, And then you also see Armin's weakness in the sight of danger. He literally freezes. The Titans do not eat him because they think that he is dead in the previous episodes. And everybody's wondering why he was the only surviving one. And it's because he freezes. Oh my gosh, that is so true. They literally don't bother him because they think he's dead. He just doesn't move. And then I guess... My last few points are you see Aaron make his weakness of being a child with the kidnappers into a strength um, when he fights those kidnappers because he says, oh, I'm so sorry. I was looking for such and such as he's entering the the, the cabin and he's trying to trick the kidnappers into thinking he's just this helpless child wandering around in the woods. And then all of a sudden he just goes, stab, 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 stab. And then... I think at the end, well, yeah, I think at the end of the episode, we realize that Mikas's weakness is Aaron, um, but she tries to turn that into a strength by making it her drive. What do you think? I mean, you definitely see this theme woven throughout the series, but definitely in this episode too. Um, and I feel like that's why... Um, you know, it shows Mikasa, who's graduated at the top of the class, who's light years ahead ahead of her peers, that she was also once so fearful and weak, almost to Armin's level. Granted, she was a little girl at the time and saw her parents brutally murdered in front of her. But you can see why. Like, even though someone is strong and you are seeing someone at their top game, such as Mikasa, it doesn't mean that they've always been that way. It doesn't mean that they will always remain that way. Um, You are just seeing a small snapshot into a person's life. Um, And we don't know what happened behind the scenes that got them to that point. Mm -hmm. So I think that it's very fitting that Mikasa being as capable as she is, clearly we've seen episode upon episode upon episode about how amazing and strong and, you know, uh, fearsome Mikasa is, that it's very appropriate that now we finally get her origin story, you know, of what really happened. Yeah. And I guess that um, that kind of leads us into what we liked about this episode because that is what I really liked. I loved seeing Mikas's past, what made her who she is today. And then seeing why she was so driven to stick by Aaron 
Uh, besides the promise that she made to Carla, she also had kind of a life debt uh, to pay to him um, because he saved her and she feels like she owes him for the life that she had been given uh, that could have been easily taken away. Totally. And I really like that too. I mean, obviously it's terrible with how it happened, um, but it does give us answers to who Mikasa really is and why she's so different um, from her peers. And again, why she so heavily turns to Aaron, even over Armin, who is also her close friend. It shows that why Aaron is in just a completely different category to any other person. Um, and I also think that this, just knowing the story, explains a lot about the symbolism in the closing song, which, because, you know, it's about Mikasa, who's not the main character, but a supporting one. Um, but it just completely explains all the symbolism in that song. Yeah, after you uh, mentioned it the last episode, or the last podcast episode, um, I definitely watched it. And at first it didn't make sense to me very much until I watched this episode. And I was like, oh, everything's clicking. Everything looks great. Mm-hmm. Um, let's um, move on to our last portion, which, well, I guess it's not our last portion, but um, bridging it to past episodes. Um and I, I'd like to say it is obvious that we are now seeing what makes Mikasa who she is. So that bridges back to her reactions in previous episodes and why she acted the way that she is. But now we are also seeing a side of Aaron that we didn't know of before. Um, I was really shocked to see how much hatred and killing power he had um, towards the kidnappers, even before the fall of the wall. And I was like, where did that come from? I know I said that before, but it's still just very puzzling to me. Like, where did that come from? <laughs> Whew, I don't know either. I really hope that this does get answered. Because, yeah, I'm like, people don't just go from zero to 100 like that. There's usually some buildup involved. Um, but, yeah, like you said, just going back to Mikasa... We can also see how innocent she was, like truly a child, by her interactions with her mom and her dad. And so this kind of ties back to previous um, episodes and conversations where, you know, when we touch on the loss of childhood and the loss of innocence, you know, to some, it was the day the Titans came. But for Mikasa, it was that day the day when she lost her parents and it was way sooner than Aaron and the other children. And we still don't know what she means by it's the same thing, you know, happening all over again when Hannes is rushing her and Aaron to safety. Um, but I'm sure we'll get answers to that part, you know, what that means exactly later on. Yeah. And I guess that, that's interesting that you say that, that it's the same thing all over again, when in actuality, like these instances, even though they are very traumatizing are very different. Her, her loss of childhood had nothing to do with the Titans. It had to do with human beings who were trying to sell her on the black market as um, a quote unquote oriental prize. 
Um, yeah, that's true. They did mention that specifically, which it's like, oh, you yeah. guys are gross. Yeah. And um, it has nothing to do with the Titans, which is what everybody else's traumatization seems to be so far. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when she says that it's the same thing all over again, it's just interesting. Is it the loss of family? Is it like, what is it that's all over again? Mm-hmm. Like, well, maybe... Well, maybe back when the kidnappers, because we do know they stole Mikasa and they did attempt to steal Mikasa's mom, that it was because they were, quote unquote, oriental um, and they wanted them to be sold, which horrible, horrific. Uh, They're awful. Um, But we learn from them that they are so rare that they are among the last of their people so we all i feel like we can put two and two together that by mika so saying it's the same thing all over again that it has to do with you know them fleeing but we don't quite know it yet Mm. but i feel like you really touched on a big point that it it doesn't necessarily have to do with the titans but i feel like you are right when it does involve humans you know and their treatment of humans so oh man i'm excited to see how that plays out (laughs) yeah okay so our last part of our episode is our podcast mvps megan who are you choosing as your mvp these past three attack on titan episodes i think uh, i mean i feel like i'm gonna give this basic answer because i did the last time i think but it's Mikasa. <laughs> uh, clearly team Mikasa, but it really is true because we see her, we see her strength again, but we also see where she once was. Um, we get her origin story and we can see that she really did use this moment in her life to, you know, propel her to really make her be the person that she is i mean i don't know how else to say it other than make us awesome <laughs> <laughs> and for me despite uh, my negative comments about armin or not armin aaron all the time i'm going to say aaron yes um, <laughs> <laughs> i battled with this a lot <laughs> Um, but he just, he, he does things to save other people a lot. Um, he does it with Armin and saving him from being eaten. Um, you see him saving Mikasa even before he even knew her. Um, he, he went to great lengths to, and and almost sacrificing his own life to save her. And then, um, he also fights so hard for the scouts. He knows yeah. that that is the future of their people, that if they really want to get outside of the wall and live a true life instead of just a domesticated animal kind of life, that it relies in the scouts. And um, I really, really like that he is just, you know, coming up or he's, he's just really going to bat for, for the scouts and for the, the work that they do that all so many times goes unappreciated. Well, just by that alone, I'm like, ooh, maybe Aaron. 
<laughs> Maybe I should change my MVP to Aaron. I would never do time on Mikasa, but that was a really good one. <laughs> okay, everybody. Well, this is the end of our episode. Um, we would love to hear your comments on what we've discussed today. Maybe your MVP favorites of um, episodes four, five, and six. Um, if you would like to reach out to us, we would love to talk to you. Uh, find us at Little Bit Weebish on Instagram, TikTok, and then our email is um, littlebitweebish at gmail.com. Okay, so for next week, we will be we will be covering 7, 8, and 9 of Attack on Titan Season 1. So please watch those and join us for our discussion. Thanks, you guys. Bye. Bye.